Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Man, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, reading from verse 1. The Bible says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. It's not just good. It's not just pleasing. It's good, pleasing, and perfect is the will of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I thank you that you're going to speak to us today. Father, we haven't come to hear an individual. We've come to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so minister to us today. Let strongholds be broken. Expose the work of the enemy, I pray in Jesus' name. Let the truths of your word become a revelation in our hearts that changes how we live today and changes our eternal destiny. Let there be a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Let there be freedom to speak the word, to hear the word. Forgive me of my sins. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word today, I pray. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Do a little bit of whiteboarding today. So how about that? Something a little different. There you go. Um, We're in a series entitled Winning the War in Your Mind. Uh, the series is based on a book that's been written by Craig Rochelle on the topic. Uh, it's just a powerful book, and I think we've got about five copies available at the information desk. So if you'd like to grab a copy, you can actually do that today. And um, if we don't have, uh, if we sell out of those, then we can take a name and we'll see if we can get you a, a copy of the book. Last week we introduced uh, the topic, uh, and we said that as Christians we're involved in a battle. And that battle is not fought with people, it's not fought with situations, it's not your spouse or your boss uh, or your in-laws. The war is with the enemy, amen? And the war is with our sin nature, it's well. It's with a world system, uh, and the battle is primarily fought within the context of our minds. The battle is fought in between our ears, and I'm sure that many of us can actually relate to that. We said that our thoughts are powerful. Uh, Our thoughts influence how we feel and our thoughts influence how we behave, how we speak, what we believe about the future, about ourselves, about God. And what we think has a profound effect on our lives. Our, our, our thinking is powerful. Our thinking is crucial. How we, how, we think, how we think affects everything about our lives. And the sooner that we grasp that truth, the more effective we will be in changing the trajectory of our lives. Key thought for the series um, comes out of the book. Craig Groeschel said this, our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. 
our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So very, very basic uh, kind of model, very basic kind of understanding. Uh, how many people can see the whiteboard? Everybody can see it okay? <laughs> I feel like a teacher, you know. <laughs> I just need a blackboard here. Um, so, you know, we, here we have our thoughts. And our thoughts uh, influence how we feel. And then how we feel influence how we behave. And how we behave, in turn, influences our thoughts. So just think about that model. If, um, you know, if you're thinking, oh, today's going to be a bad day, or if you think, you know, I'm never going to amount to anything, or my life is useless and my life is worthless, then if that's the way we're thinking, if it's those thoughts that are kind of dominating the way we think, well, how do you think we're going to feel? It's going to make us feel terrible. We're going to feel down. We're going to feel kind of uh, depressed about ourselves, not a lot of confidence, and that in turn influences how we behave. So if we were confident, we're more likely to take risks. We're more likely to do certain things. But because we feel really down about ourselves, we behave in a certain way. And that behavior just reinforces the thought. It reinforces the thought that says, well, you're not good at anything because you're not doing anything. So you're not good at anything. Your life's not going to amount to anything and so on and so on and so on. And so that thought then reinforces the feelings, which reinforce the behavior. And we have this cycle of, of continuously going down. So how, how do we change our lives? How do we start to change? Well, we start to change. One of the ways is by changing the way we think. If we can just change how we think, it will then start to help us to feel a little bit better. And if we're feeling different about ourselves, we'll behave differently. As we behave differently, then our, it reinforces the positive thoughts instead of the negative thoughts and so on. When Craig Rochelle says, our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, it's a powerful statement because how we think affects how we feel and how we behave. And it affects the trajectory of our lives. So many people live lives that are bound, they live below their potential, they struggle and they strive, all because they believe destructive thoughts to be true. Now here's the good news. The good news is that God's word is powerful, not just to save us, not just to help us, but also to transform and renew our minds, also to transform and renew the way we think. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and that truth is going to bring freedom in your life. It's the truth of God that actually brings freedom in our lives. It's the lies of the devil that keep us bound. It's, it's when we believe the lies of the enemy that it, that, it, that it keeps us bound. But it's the truth of God that sets us free. The question is, how do we win the war in our minds? Well, if we're going to win the war in our minds, we need to tackle this at three different levels. We are body, soul, and spirit, and if the Bible tells us so, and if we're going to win the war in our minds, we need to tackle it at every single level. The first level is the spiritual level. We need to understand that the battle that we face in our mind is first and foremost a spiritual battle. It's not an issue about, you know, the emotions or, 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 or our, you know, how we feel and so on. First and foremost, the battle in our mind is a spiritual battle. It's the enemy that wants to hinder our growth. It's the enemy that wants to block our effectiveness, make us miserable. 
key verse for the series is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. It says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. We're involved in a battle. It's a war. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Remember, a stronghold is a mental habit pattern, a mindset, a way of thinking that hinders our growth. Paul goes on to say, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every single thought and we make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought. We don't let our thoughts dominate us. We catch every thought and we make it obedient to Christ and the truth of his word. We bring it into line with the word of God. We we need to understand that the battle in our minds is primarily spiritual in nature. It's lost and won in the spiritual realm. Paul, in speaking about the need to forgive, says this, in order that Satan might, in other words, Paul is saying to the church in Corinth, he's saying, listen, we need to forgive in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. The word schemes there is the word eumia, which is actually the word thought. So in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we're not unaware of his, his thoughts, his schemes, the way he tries to deceive us. The enemy has actually has no power over us. He, he cannot make us do anything. All he can do is convince us of a lie. If we can believe that lie, it, then, then we give power to the enemy to influence our lives. Because if the enemy can get us to believe a lie, if, if, if the enemy can convince us that a particular thought is, is, is actually true, if he can convince us of a lie, he can influence how we feel and he can in turn influence how we behave. And we're in this vicious cycle, which is not a positive cycle at all. And that's where he has the power. Good news is that God has given us some weapons to win the battle. Weapons like truth and the word of God and worship and prayer and the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. God has given us some weapons to be able to win in this, in, in, in this, in this battle that we're facing. God has given us some weapons to fight and these weapons have divine power. Weapons like truth. It's the word of God. It's, it's the Holy Bible. This is the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It has the power to divide soul and spirit. It's the Word of God that encourages us. It's the Word of God that, that exposes what's in our hearts. It's the Word of God that gives us power to overcome. We have worship, prayer, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. And that's, that's the good news. If it, it, it's, it, it's a spiritual battle we're involved in. The good news is that God has given us weapons to be able to fight. Here's the bad news. The bad news is that the, the, the battle's not going away. <laughs> the, the battle's not going away. Some of you might be thinking, well, Pastor Joe, if I could just get... If I could just win this one, if I could just deal with this one, then that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm done. The battle's not going away. One day the enemy will be defeated forever and ever and ever. But until that happens, we're involved in a battle. The closer you get to God, the more intense the battle. Bible says about Jesus, he was tempted 
and then, and then the devil left him to find another opportune time. The enemy's always looking for an opportune time to come against us and to try to influence how we think and how we feel and how we behave and so on. We just need to understand that we're involved in this battle and we need to understand the weapons that we have and we need to be prepared for that battle at any given time. Secondly, if we're going to win the war in our minds, we need to address it at the emotional behavioral level. It's the area of the soul. We said before that our thoughts influence how we feel, our thoughts influence our behavior, our thoughts influence our confessions, and that is true. This is, this is actually very true. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very practical, easy model to understand. And just for the record, this is in the Bible. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not teaching some therapy or something. This is straight out of, out of the Word of God. Jeremiah, I think I, I spoke about this last week. Jeremiah's not in a good place and he's thinking and thinking and thinking about it. And, 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 and as he's thinking, it, he's, he's getting into it. He's starting to feel depressed and so on and he's doing nothing and so on. And then he says, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. His compassions never failed in you every morning. Great is, he changes his thinking and he changes his perspective. It influences how he feels and then in turn how he behaves. So this is a good model. It's a scriptural model. It's out of the Bible. And, and, it, and it's true. Our thoughts influence how we feel and so on. But what is also true is that our behavior influences our thoughts. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's, not just, it's not just our thoughts influence how we behave. Our behavior actually influences our thoughts as well. And people, for example, you know, it's happened to all of us, um, uh, you know, it's a Sunday morning or it's a, it's a Wednesday night prayer meeting, you know, there's a prayer meeting, we know we should go there, but you know, we just don't feel like going. Just, it's too hard, it's cold, it's wet, can't even sing, how miserable is that, what's the point, you know, I just don't feel like going. We, we don't feel like going. So here it is here, it's the thoughts, we've got some thoughts, it's miserable, I don't feel like going. And, but, you know, something kicks into our, our, you know, it's the preaching, it's that Jolioni just going, blah, 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 blah. It's not even the voice of the Holy Spirit, it's the Jolioni voice. And, and it says, oh, you need to be at church. It's, you know, it's COVID and we've got all this stuff. We, I better go to church. So I don't feel like going, but I, but, I, but I decide to go anyway. And when we decide to go to church, we, we decide to come to the prayer meeting as we're there, something begins to shift in our hearts. Something shifts in our spirit. Now, it's, it's not our feelings dominating our behavior. Now, it's our behavior dominating how we feel and how we think. And suddenly, at the end of the prayer meeting, we say, man, I'm so glad I came to church. It's true that our behavior influence, sorry, our thoughts influence our behavior. But what is also true is that our behavior can influence our thoughts and our behavior can influence our feelings. It's not just our behavior, our confessions influence our thoughts. What we confess and declare has the power to change how we think. It's not, it's not, it's not just, it's, it's not, we're not just slaves to our thoughts. What we say can actually influence how we feel. And we can be declaring all kinds of, oh, today's miserable, I'm miserable, rah, 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 rah. And we can talk about that in just a moment. And, and a, lot of, a lot of our confessions, our self-talk at times is quite negative. It happens to all of us. We kind of, we kind of go into this negative zone. But what we need to do is begin to change that. If we change our confessions, if we start to say, no, God is with me and he's going to see me through by the grace of God. I might not be able to sing, but I can still worship by the grace of God and for the glory 
glory of God. Thank God we're in church together, still gathering together. And as we begin to change our confessions, suddenly our feelings begin to change and our thoughts start to catch up with our confessions. We can either be a slave to our emotions or we can tell our emotions to have the day off. Why don't you just take the day off today? Not, when it, some people are slave to their emotions. I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. We need to tell our feelings, listen, take a break, take a day off, you know, take a holiday. We are not some robots that are slaves to our thoughts and our feelings. We have something called the will that enables us to decide what we do next, irrespective of our thoughts, our feelings, what the devil is saying, what people are saying, what the media is saying, what popular culture is saying. We can always choose what, what we do next and we can always choose to do what is right. And that's why we have the word of God. The Bible tells us how we should behave. The Bible tells us what we should do. The Bible says it's a really good idea not to skip gathering together with God's saints. I don't do it because I feel like it or I think it's a good thing. I do it because the Word of God says, and God has given us something called the will that, enable, that trumps feelings, thoughts, and everything else. I could choose to do what is right irrespective of what I'm thinking and feeling. Paul says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. In other words, do it and the God of peace will be with you. Whatever you've heard me say, whatever you've heard me talk about, do it and, and the God of peace, the consequence of doing it is you're going to experience the peace of God. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. As you read the scriptures, you're going to see that come up again and again and again in Paul's letters. It's about do what is right. Do what is right. We have something called the will that enables us to choose what we do next. It's not about what's happened or what's not happened. It's not, we, we, we could take a victim mentality. Well, uh, you know, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's because of this person or that person we can blame and blah, blah, blah. We can go into all of that. And, and that's just going to spiral us further and further down. God has given us something called the will that enables us to choose what we do next. And we can always choose to do what is right according to the scripture of God's word. We win the war in our mind by doing what is right, by doing what is consistent with Scripture. Tackle our thoughts at the spiritual level, at the uh, emotional behavioral level, but we also need to tackle our thoughts at the physical level. Every time we think a thought, a neural pathway is created in the brain. Physical, there's like, it's, like, it's like wires, like electricians' wires. There's a pathway that's created. When we think that thought again, that pathway is strengthened, so it's easier to think it again. The more we think a thought, the stronger it gets, and the easier it is to think that thought again. Eventually, it becomes a habit, an automatic thought, a stronghold, and when it reaches that level, it becomes so much harder to control our thoughts. It feels like the thought has control over us. Now, there's a ton of examples out there that kind of dis. dis describe this particular phenomenon. The one that I use most times is, is, you know, I just want you to imagine a mountain. That's a mountain. <laughs> don't worry about going to see the exhibition by, what's his name? Uh, Renga. Don't worry about that. It's 50 bucks. Don't worry. Give me 20 and I'll do some drawings for you, okay? <laughs> this is a mountain. And... Um, <laughs> 
settle, settle. It's $30 now. It's just gone up. Um, imagine this is a mountain. When it, when it rains on this mountain for the very, very first time, the rain is going to fall down and it's just going to find the easiest way to go down to the bottom. When it rains the second time on this particular mountain, what is it going to do? Because a pathway has already been created, it's going to follow that same pathway. But this time, instead of being just a small groove like that, the groove is going to get a little bit bigger. When it rains again on that path, it's going it's uh, to follow that same path. And every time it does, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until a particular groove is developed. And whenever it rains on that mountain, it's always going to follow down that particular groove, that particular uh, kind of stream going, going down there. And, that, and that's true of our thoughts. When we think a thought for the very first time, it's just, it's just a thought. But every time, uh, sorry, a neural pathway is created. Every time we rethink that thought again, it just gets stronger and deeper and deeper and deeper. And then it becomes an automatic thought where, where it becomes more and more difficult to control. And that's how our brain is actually wired. Our brain is wired to think like that. Let me give you some examples of this. Not all habits in our thinking are bad. A lot of them are actually good. For example, brushing your teeth. I don't know if you remember the first time you brushed your teeth, but, you know, there's a whole process that goes into brushing your teeth. You've got to get the brush. You've got to get the toothpaste. You've got to get the tube. Usually you've got to squeeze that last bit of toothpaste out of that, you know, that tube, you know, because it's usually right at the end. But anyway, you've got to squeeze it, you put it, put it on your brush, then you put a bit of water on the brush, then you put the, the toothbrush in your mouth, then you go, you know, it's a particular whole process about how you go. You start from the top, you go to the bottom, or I don't know how you guys do it, but there's many, many ways. But you've got to go through that whole process, then you've got to, then you've got to, clean the brush, then you've got to spit your mouth, oh, I won't go there. But you know, you've got to do all of that, that kind of stuff. And there's a whole process that goes there. First time you do it, you've got to think about every single process. But as you teach your kids, generally you learn when you're a kid, as you, t- as you teach that process, that after repeating it and repeating it and repeating it and repeating it and repeating it, at some point it just becomes an automatic process. So you brush your teeth. This morning you would have brushed your teeth and you're planning, well, what am I going to do today? What am I going to have lunch today? Because there's an automatic thought that's been created subconsciously inside of your head somewhere, inside of you. It's called the brushing the teeth kind of, you know, uh, whatever, have a pattern that's inside of you. And we've got all kinds of those. I've got one for driving an automatic car. When I get into an automatic car, something kicks in, I'm driving an automatic car. When I get into a, a manual car, like Jeremy's car with six gears, I put on my helmet, you know, because uh, this is going to be fun. And there's the, there's, the, there's, the, uh, there's the manual car kind of mindset that just kicks in. When I'm driving in Australia, there's a particular way that I drive here. When I go into Europe, if I drive like I'm driving in Australia, I won't be back. You know, that'll be it. That'll be finished. Goodbye. Uh, so there's a, there's a driving in Europe. Europe kind of mindset that it's unconscious it's inside of me somewhere all of that it's inside of my head somewhere I don't I don't use it refer to it even think about it when I'm driving in Australia as soon as I get into into Europe it kicks in and suddenly I'm driving in Europe now in a completely different way now just like there are positive mental habit patterns there are also negative ones why do we get anxious and fearful we believe a thought that says something bad is going to happen And if we repeat that thought again and again, it can become a habit pattern, a stronghold that now becomes an automatic response. It gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And now it becomes an automatic response. 
and we hear the word COVID and suddenly our body goes into meltdown because a stronghold, a a habit pattern, a mindset has actually been developed inside of our hearts and minds. So if we're going to win the battle in our minds, we need to tackle it at the spiritual level, the emotional, behavioral level. But we also need to create some new neural pathways, some new grooves in our brain. And, you know, uh, how, how, do, how do we change this whole setup on the, on the mountain? Well, what we need to do is create a new one. And, you know, that becomes really hard. Initially, that's really hard. But if we start to get the water to flow in that direction, slowly but surely, a new groove is going to be developed. And so now when, the, when it rains on that mountain, instead of going down here, it's going to go down into the new groove which has been developed. The good news is this. That no matter how the brain has been wired, the brain can be rewired. It's not easy, it takes work, but the, by the grace of God, our brains can be rewired, our brains can be renewed. Look at what Paul says in Romans. I hope it kind of sheds some light onto this scripture. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. We have a world system that is forever telling us and sending us in a particular way of thinking. It's influencing how we think, how we see things, how we see people, how we see the world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve God's will is His good, pleasing and perfect will. Question is, how do we renew and rewire the brain? Well, today I want to give you some principles and I'm running out of time on how to rewire the brain. Some of this is going to be repeated. But it's good because we're reinforcing (laughs) some neural pathways. First thing we need to do is identify the destructive thought. If we're going to rewire the brain, the first thing we need to do is identify the destructive thought. What is the dominant thought that seems to control our thinking? It can be thoughts like, I'll never amount to anything. I'll never be loved. I will always struggle financially. I'll never be happy. I'm dumb. I'm ugly. It's never good enough. Do better. It's never good enough. No, it's still not good enough. Do it again. We'll always have an issue with anger. I'll never overcome this addiction. I will never be healthy. I'll never get close to God. I'll never have a good marriage. First step is to recognize the thought. And in order to do that, all you actually need to do is actually stop and understand what that thought actually is. Just think about your thinking. Now, here's, here, here's, here's the, the next step here. Is our thoughts are influenced by, let me, put it, let me put this down as core beliefs. Another way to put it is mindsets. Or as the Bible calls it, strongholds. A thought is just a thought, nothing else. But when we repeat that thought and we repeat that thought and we reinforce that thought and we believe that thought, it becomes a core belief, it becomes a mindset, it becomes a stronghold that now influences how we think, which then puts us into this particular cycle. How, do the, how are those core beliefs developed? Those core beliefs are developed through upbringing, um, through one-off experiences, Traumatic experiences. Um, What else have I got here? Uh, Things that have been repeated again and again. Messages that have been repeated again and again. Sometimes it's our sin nature. 
And we, we believe the lie of, of the enemy and so on and so on. And repeat it again and again. We believe it. It becomes a core belief that then influences all of this. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. All you need to do is sit down, think about what you're thinking and try to understand what they are. Once you've done that, you've done some great work. And what most people do is move to the next step of replacing it with the truth. When, when Paul says, um, when Paul says uh, God has given us divine weapons that have divine power to demolish strongholds, that's what he's speaking about. It's, he's speaking about the core beliefs that we have about ourselves. You may know exactly what that is, or you may not know what it is. It can be conscious, it can be unconscious, but that thought dominates everything about you, about who you are. And the first step to, to, to kind of getting, getting, uh, winning the war and, and renewing our minds is understanding what those core beliefs are. Now, what we, like I said, what most people do is they, they discover what that is and they move to the next steps of replacing it with truth and then rewiring the brain. My experience has been it doesn't always work. It's like recognizing that someone's hurt you and moving to forgiveness immediately. Before you move to forgiveness, you need to acknowledge the wound, express the emotions related to it, and then you move to, to forgiveness. It's the same with the brain. Once you've, re once you've recognized the destructive thought, you need to ask yourself some questions. Once, we, once we've come, come to an understanding that what, what seems to dominate our whole lives is I, I, I am worthless. I, I'm, I'm useless. The, the, instead of moving on to, well, let's just change that thought. Let's replace it with truth. We need to just, just, just stop for a few minutes and ask, where did that thought come from? When did that thought start? When, 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 did it, when did it enter inside? When did this become a, a, a mindset that governs everything about myself? We need to stop and ask ourselves what, what, what that is. Why is it that I always, when I'm faced with a situation, I, I, I respond with anger and rage? Where did that come from? I'm driving along, I'm having a happy day, someone cuts, cuts out in front of me and, and I lose it. Lose it. Not me. No, I don't lose it. I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. <laughs> Do you know how many times I've lost it and then they recognize that they come to church? It's, not, it's very embarrassing. Very, very embarrassing. <laughs> um, no, what I do now is I laugh because I think when, when, when people cut me off or, or I cut them off usually is what's happening. I'm, I'm one of those bad drivers. I usually cut them off and they lose it. I can see and they're saying things. I don't know what they're saying exactly, but <laughs> I'm not sure it's like, Joe, you're an amazing guy. I don't think they're, they're saying that. And they lose it. I laugh. I start laughing. <laughs> it's really bad. I start laughing. I think, man, how did you lose it so quickly? How many people know it has nothing to do with the driver? That anger and rage has absolutely nothing to do with that driver. It has something to do with something else, someone else. It could be a parent. It could be a bully at school. It could be something else. That's kind of, kind of given you this mindset of rage. It's no use moving on to the next stage and kind of discovering, well, you know, I've got to change that with a, with a, with a truth and I've got to rewind. No, don't, stop. Don't go there. Ask yourself the question, where did this start? Where, where, where did it come from? Where did this happen? What triggers this? Because many times behind a stronghold or a core belief is a wound and that wound needs to be addressed before you move on to the next step. How do you address the wound? First of all, you acknowledge it. I was really hurt by a particular situation, by a particular... 
I was, uh, it's not about blaming your parents. It's just acknowledging the wound. There's a wound inside of me. I find a, a safe place and a safe way to actually express those emotions because they're, they're bottled up inside of me. And then whenever someone cuts me off, there it comes. Find a safe place to express the emotion. Anger is not a sin. It's what you do with it that either makes it sinful or not. And so then I find, an ex- a way, find a way to express it. And then I move to forgiveness. And by moving to forgiveness, I take the power out of that whole stronghold. The rest is now really easy to deal with. Because we've dealt with it. Number one, identify the destructive thought. Number two, replace it with truth. The base of most strongholds is a lie. Simple as that. So you need to get a hold of the scriptures and replace it with truth. Let's take, for example, the lie that says, I should never have been born. There's something deeply wrong with me. No, you no, there isn't. The Bible says I'm God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for me to do. God has created me for such a time as this. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I knit you together in your mother's womb for such a time as this. That's the truth. Once you've identified the stronghold, the the, the lie, we replace it with the truth. And again, we need to understand that the the rewiring of the brain is first and foremost a spiritual exercise. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, He comes to dwell in us by the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has one job to do, and that is to form Christ in us. It's to make, it's to shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. So we think like Jesus, act like Jesus, behave like Jesus. That's the process of sanctification. And the Holy Spirit is actively involved in the process of renewing and rewiring the brain. He does that by exposing the lies, demolishing strongholds, revealing truth, giving us the power to change. It's the Holy Spirit that goes through this whole process of helping us renew our minds. Paul prayed for the Ephesians. He said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. What we need more than anything else is the spirit of wisdom and revelation And that may come through a counselor or a book or a sermon, but it's the Holy Spirit taking the initiative to renew and rewire our brains, our minds. Reminds me of the story, I've said it before, of a man that was used by God powerfully and his mother died when he was born and he blamed himself for so many years. He said, I killed my mother. If I wasn't born, my mother would still be alive today. And he was plagued by this thought all of his life. One day he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And as he battled this thought, the Holy Spirit spoke to him one day and said, two people have died for you. Don't waste your life. And that truth set him free. Because Jesus died for him as well. And that truth, that truth set him free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Now, that truth can come through a counselor. It can come through a book or a sermon. But once you know the truth, it's a work of the Holy Spirit to give us a truth that exposes the lie and takes the power out of that core belief that then releases us to think differently, feel differently, behave differently. Third thing we need to do is rewire the brain. 
by repeatedly confessing the truth. Napoleon Hill said any plan or purpose may be placed in the mind by repetition of thought. Zig Ziglar said repetition is the mother of learning and the father of action, which makes it the architect of accomplishment. Repetition is what caused the old patterns of thinking. Repetition is what will create the new patterns of thought. How do we, re how do we repeat the truth? We write it. The first thing we do is we write it something very powerful about putting something in writing. God said to Habakkuk, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Job said, oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he shall stand on the earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. I want that to be written somewhere. I want to see it with my eyes. I want it to be inscribed on a rock because that truth is powerful. Something very powerful about writing words down that reinforces them. It gives them power. It weakens the lies and strengthens the truth. It exposes the lies by bringing them into the light and it reinforces the truth by declaring it. It's a declaration. You know, sometimes you've got the salesman, you know, they come up. Hey, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you that. I'm going to do this. Wow, it sounds amazing. What do, what do we say? Put it in writing. <laughs> Put it in writing and then, and then I'll consider it. Because until it's put in writing, it's just blah, 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 blah. But once it's in writing, then we can work with it. There's something very powerful about writing. Many of you, never happened to me, but many of you did something bad at school and the teacher made you do lines. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. How many people need to confess? I'm, I'm done with my time. I've got to stop. Why do they get us to do the lines? Write it and write it. hundred times. Write it and 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 write it. Because by writing it and repeating writing it, it starts to stick in the brain. We write it, then we meditate on it. We often think about meditation as being associated with Eastern religions. I love what Ben Stewart says. He calls it the ancient practice of meditation. Meditation was being practiced by God's people way before Eastern religions did. Meditation is simply to engage in a mental exercise that focuses our thoughts. Meditation is not the problem, it's what you focus on that's the problem. And this concept is right throughout the Bible. Paul says to the Philippians, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely. Fix your thoughts. It's about choosing what you think about. King James Version says, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think about them, chew over them. In the Bible, people meditated on the word of God. David said, I meditate on your, on your precepts and consider your ways. Uh, Psalm 143.5, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. In Eastern religion, you, you meditate on nothing. Christian meditation is training your minds to focus on the truth. We need to learn to focus and fix our minds on the truth. And that's a skill, by the way. It's a skill you need to practice and learn. In the words of the great philosopher Jackie Chan, in the remake of The Karate Kid, which is not as good as the first one, your focus needs more focus. Your focus needs more focus. It's a skill that we learn to focus our thoughts. Our thoughts always want to run away. They always run away into something negative or something bad. So what we do is we grab a hold of that thought and we focus and we bring it back into line with the Word of God and the truths of the Scriptures. 
Third thing, the way we renew our minds is by confessing the truth. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. What we declare with our mouth has power to do good or to do harm, to give life or to destroy. Frank Damasio says, don't allow life to shape your words, but shape your life with your words. It's something very powerful about the creative words. The earth was dark, was dark and, 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 and it, was, it was a mess. And, and then the Lord said, let there be light. And as soon as he said, let there be light, something changed. There's something very powerful about the spoken word. I am a child of God. God will see me through. He will make a way where there doesn't seem to be one. Why, why do we, con- what do we confess? We don't confess positive messages. We confess the truths of God's word. And by the way, a lot of the truths of God, most all of the truths of God's word are positive messages. And messages that give life. And life in abundance, we write it, we meditate on it, we confess it until it becomes a revelation in our hearts. We write it, we meditate on it, we confess it until it becomes a revelation in our hearts. And as we declare truth, we're confessing the truth of God's word. We're bringing our mind and emotions into submission to the spirit and we're rewiring the mind with truth. Paul says in Romans, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. They focus on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. There it is right there. It's what are you choosing to focus on? On what the flesh says or what the Spirit says? You can choose. We have something called the will that enables us to choose what we do. We are not just simply slaves to our thoughts or our emotions. The mind governed by the flesh is death. If all we're thinking about uh, is is thoughts related to the flesh, it's going to lead not to physical death, but death in life. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. I'm, I'm finished. Let me just quickly give you some of these examples of declarations that come out of the book. Thoroughly recommend getting the book. If you're the kind of person that turns to food when stressed... Here's something that you can declare. When I'm stressed or in times of distress, I turn to God and not food. I come to Jesus because he's what I really need. He's my strength and my fortress and my refuge. If you see yourself as a victim, here's a declaration. If God is for me, who can be against me? My God is working all things for my good and I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, my Lord. You may be, you may be struggling to know God's will. My life belongs to God and daily I seek him and daily he directs my steps. I know his voice and he leads me to his perfect. But Pastor Joe, I don't know his voice. But you, it's the declaration of truth because as followers of Jesus Christ, we can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You may lack confidence. My confidence is in Christ and Christ alone because his spirit lives in me. I can do all things that he asked me to do, fighting addictive behavior. I'm not a slave to my addiction because God has purified my life. I will honor him with my eyes and thoughts and behavior. My God is faithful. Even if I'm tempted, he will make a way out. And maybe you're battling worry because of Christ. I'm not anxious about anything. I cast my cares upon Christ because he cares for me. I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart. So what do we do? How do do we rewire the brain? We identify the destructive thoughts, replace it with the truth. We write it, we meditate on it, we confess it until it becomes a revelation. Paul says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Something you need to be intentional about. The world we're living in are passing messages on. 
They're just like a message machine. And it's not just messages, it's a values machine. They're, they're bombarding. Every movie you watch, they're passing something on to you. It's a message and they're bombarding the media. Paul says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Let's not be victims to what the world is saying. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That, that, that's an intentional process. I need to be intentional about renewing my mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His amazing will for your life. He loves you. He cares about you. He's the plan and a purpose for your life. And if you, if you just tap into His will, you, you're going to experience life to evermore. Pastor Joe, is it easy to do? No, it's a lot of hard work. My experience has been that anything good always requires hard work. Will you stand with me? I've always found putting on weight easier than losing weight. I've always found spending money much easier than saving money. Watching TV much easier than, than, than exercising, definitely. Uh, Growing weeds, mate, they just come. They're just beautiful, mate. They just grow. <laughs> just do nothing and you'll get weeds. Fruit trees, that's another story. <laughs> you got to work and you got to fertilize and you got to get the. <laughs> Many people know thinking bad thoughts is easy. It's the good ones that are going to take some work. We can either be victims to whatever's happening around us or we can. Take responsibility for our thoughts and by the grace of God, because that's all it takes. It's the grace of God that helps us to renew our thinking by His grace and for His glory. Pastor Joe said it's not easy. It's a battle we will face all of our life, but it's a battle worth fighting because our life is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. It's a battle worth fighting because our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Where you will be tomorrow is determined by your strongest thoughts, by our strongest thoughts. Change them today and you will change where you end up in the future by His grace and for His glory. Is that okay today? Father, I just thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Your Holy Spirit. I thank you for truth that can bring freedom. All of us, Father, need to do some work in our minds. All of us need to do some work in our minds, Lord God. Help us. Help us to take captive every thought. Because, Lord, this just feels so hard. It just feels so hard, Lord God. So often it just feels like a losing battle, Lord God. But I thank you, Father, that you've given us weapons that have divine power and that you're going to give us the grace to win the war in our minds by your grace and for your glory. This is our prayer and we ask it in Jesus' name.